Hey everybody, welcome to the SAC Podcast. I'm Will. And I'm Jesse. And uh, we're coming to you on a uh, lovely Thursday morning. A little bit brisk. A little uh, bit brisk, but uh, it's not too bad outside. I mean, for Florida, but it barely a cloud in the sky. Beautiful day. And uh, here to talk about some, some beautiful football that happened over the past weekend and uh, looking ahead to the, uh, the best pair of games to happen this year. And also, we got a whole lot of coach hirings that I think that we should get into if we have time oh, at the end of the sure. show. Oh, for sure. We have plenty of time today as there's only four games last weekend and only two to preview coming up. I mean, they're probably the biggest games of the year outside of the uh, the Super Bowl. But uh, Oh, yeah. And lots to talk about with that. And I think with that, we should get right into it. How about we start with Saturday games? Uh, the first game was the AFC matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Indianapolis Colts. Um, something tells me the Colts didn't really have a chance in this one right from kickoff. Uh, I mean, that, that was apparent in the, in the score, but going into the game, if I was betting it, I couldn't comfortably put my money on the Chiefs just because of all the pressure on them because of their, uh, their home playoff record. 0-6 under Andy Reid, 0-5 as a uh, when they have a bye. And it's just been – Andy Reid's season has been regular season, and we haven't really seen them have any kind of success in the playoffs. And uh, albeit this is their first playoff game and they smacked around the Colts um, using every single weapon they had, including uh, – Williams out of the backfield, which is quite a surprise, because they ran the ball a lot with Kareem Hunt before they cut him, and they just went on doing the same thing with his with his backup. Yep, that uh, that is Damien Williams who is backing him up uh, over there. But um, I I it seemed like this cold weather had an effect on a dome team that is the Colts, and Andrew Luck especially he went 1936, 203 yards, only just a touchdown, but um. This Colts offense was very, very weak going into this game, but at the same time, the Kansas City defense is quite elite, I would say, um, in the AFC. They're, they're definitely playing like it, and it, the more you look at that at that defensive roster, <coughs> the more more the names start to start to pop. Like, yeah, they weren't that good during the regular season, but they they seem to be. Seem to be getting it done. Um, the only problem I have with this Kansas City defense is the secondary. But as long as the front seven gets to the quarterback, the secondary isn't really a problem anymore. Yeah, I mean, when you've got Justin Houston, Chris Jones, D. Ford, Reggie Ragland, Derek Naughty, you're gonna get to the quarterback, and you're gonna you're gonna make some plays there. And that's that's what they did. Um, and a guy that seemingly wasn't touched all year, they were all up in his face throughout the entire game and uh, just force the Colts to play their game instead of uh, allowing them to kind of operate on their own terms and just made them uncomfortable the whole time. And uh, I actually don't think the weather was that big of a deal because they they did practice outside um, in Indy, and uh, it was in the the mid-30s in Indy. That is true. So uh, not as big of a deal as it should have been. But it seemed like I it was. It, yeah. Maybe, but, but, I, but I, you, you know they you know they got spooked when, during that uh, national anthem though. In <laughs> the home of the 
Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But uh, yeah. So uh, speaking of the Houston defense, uh, they actually got the Andrew Luck three times, and Andrew Luck had only been sacked twice in the past four games, um, which is actually quite impressive for. The Colts' offensive line for, for the past four games, first of all, but also quite impressive for the Kansas City front seven, like we were saying, get, being able to get back there, shut down Andrew Luck. Um, and the Colts' offense, horrible on third down. They went 0 for 9, not a single third down conversion, but they went 1 for 1 on fourth down con- conversions. Um, so that's kind of weird. But uh, in the second half, it also came down to a bad turnover by uh, Andrew Luck. He fumbled it. It was a good strip by, by the Kansas City defense once again. Um, it was, I guess, I guess you're right. It, it, it might have been less cold weather. It might have just a little bit of effect, but the Kansas City defense is something to match with. I think Tom Brady should be scared coming into Sunday. But, um, yeah, so, but moving on from Kansas City defense, Patrick Mahomes is just still looking like an MVP, if you ask me. 27 to 41, 278. No touchdowns, but the Kansas City Chiefs got it done on the ground. Scored four touchdowns on the ground. One for one for Patty Mahomes, one from Damian Williams, one from Tyree Kill, and one from Daryl Williams. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't that a crazy end around to Tyree Kill? Yeah. The touchdown, like it just showcases his speed. Um, the cheetah. Has those end around plays to pull him off to that kind of extent? Um, they they like to use that a lot um, because once it works once. You have to respect it, so that puts the the linebackers in motion, and everyone's like watching for the watching for the motion across the formation, and then you're just running it up the gut using that motion to um, kind of disrupt their defensive game plan, and uh, also showcases how crazy of an athlete Tyreek Hill is to go, <clears throat> excuse me, all the way around the formation to get to the outside edge, and then just blow by the safeties. Yeah, it, it really Crazy. is. Crazy. He's probably the best offensive weapon in these playoffs. Oh, yeah. Um, he's probably the fastest player in these playoffs as of right now. He's the fastest player in the NFL as in general. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so watch out for Tyree Kill this Sunday, especially uh, for this past defense. And those four touchdowns were the most in franchise playoff history for the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. And you want to talk about a team getting it done on the ground. Let's talk about the Rams. Oh, who, yes. Uh, who uh, had a – 200-yard rushers uh, led the way by uh, one C.J. Anderson. Of all um, people, you would think it would be Todd Gurley, but look at C.J. Anderson coming off the streets, going to Los Angeles, and dominating the run game with yeah. Todd Gurley. Yeah, he looks like he uh, he had a few extra Big Macs on him, too. Um, looking, <laughs> looking like Eddie Lacy out there. Ooh, I but, mean, uh, busting through this defensive line, scoring like, those touchdowns. In, in true Jerome Bettis fashion, just busting out yards. Um, the the Cowboys couldn't do anything to stop it. Um, yeah. Um, and C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley were eating, but you know who did not eat is Ezekiel Elliott. He uh, 20 carries, which is a pretty heavy workload, but Rams defense shot him down. 47 yards, but he was able to, to sneak away that one touchdown on the day. Do you think it has uh, anything to do with his workload over the entire year? Because during the regular season, he had 381 touches. Yeah, because which is insane, by the way. It's it's what the Cowboys' offense is. They have the average quarterback in Dak Prescott, and but but once you give Zeke Elliott the ball over and over and over again, the defense can't stop it. They get tired, and then eventually you can give Dak the ball again, 
check it down to to a slant Cole Beasley for another first down and keep handing hand the ball to Elliott, which is what the Cowboys' offense is. The Rams figured that out and shut it down, and then they came away with this game into the second half pretty easily, if you ask me. But um, first downs, uh, it was all Los Angeles Rams, 30 to 19 ratio on that. Um, and, I mean, it was just a complete dominant game uh, de- defensively and offensively for this Rams team, I, I think. You know what um, surprised me? Well, I mean, it's not really that surprising, but every single team that won this weekend absolutely obliterated the other team in terms of time of possession. Yes. Uh, Rams holding the ball for 36 minutes. Patriots holding the ball for 38. The uh, – the New Orleans Saints holding it for 37 minutes. They had and 12 the, minutes on one drive. <laughs> and the Chiefs having the ball for a whopping 39 minutes. And that's just that's just crazy. They, they, all four of those teams, um, albeit that the, uh, the, the Saints weren't, like, in it right at the beginning. Yeah. Every single one of those teams controlled the game in every way um, once they got rolling and it it showed especially in the Patriots game yes uh, scoring on their first four drives <laughs> scoring touchdowns on their first four drives what? on their way to a uh, 35 to 7 halftime lead which is just bonkers what on earth was that game but before we get we, we, we do get to that one I, I do want to stick on this uh, Rams game for a second uh, just finish it up here um, so Jared Goff also had a pretty good day, uh, 15 of 28. Didn't really have to have to rely on him that much because they had CJ and Todd Gurley just getting all the workload. But uh, 186 yards, it was all pretty much done on the ground. Uh, but Robert Woods came out with uh, 69 yards. Nice. And uh, <laughs> that was on it. That's obviously the main side I wanted to say. But uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, he had four, four catches for 65 yards. So, uh on, on, on the air, it wasn't too bad, but the Rams just found a way on the ground, and then uh, that, that, that's what yeah, came to the end got, of the Cowboys. You do, you do what works, and uh, when you can control the game the way they did, um, you just got to stick with it. There's no there reason to pull an Atlanta Falcons and just abandon the run in, in the second half um, like they did in that Super Bowl, and we, we saw what happened there. Yep. But one, once you got a hold of the game, you, you do not want to let go. Yes, of course. But uh, – so what do you think this playoff run means for the future of Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott? Because obviously they won the division. They made it past the wild card round. Jerry Jones bought a $250 million yacht. Yes. So it, <laughs> it, So all these left and right turns of, of the story here is uh, how much do you think Dak is going to get paid? Do you think Dak is going to get paid at all? And uh-huh. Jason Garrett, do you think he's going to – I think Jerry Jones has already said that he's going to extend Jason Garrett. I think that that was confirmed. I don't – I don't know how I feel about that. If they're going to keep Jason Garrett, I think they still should review their the rest of their coaching staff because yes. some things need to change. I mean, obviously having Amari Cooper um, only helps them and has kind of righted the ship a little bit. And uh, they, they just need – they just need some – some some new blood in there because for a while um, it just felt really stale and they just had an inability to win in the playoffs and um, I mean obviously they they won one game this year yeah but um, 
third. It's it's crazy to think that Jason Garrett is the longest tenured Cowboys head coach since the great Tom Landry. And they have three playoff wins since 1995. You know what's even crazier? <laughs> they had guys like Barry Switzer and uh, Johnson in there. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson. Um, and they, they were all there less than Jason Garrett, who's been there nine years. <laughs> but it's just a matter of that clutch gene from Tony Romo and just from the Cowboys team in general. They just never could find a way to get it done. They found a way to get they, it done they, versus Seattle. They, they, sure. just, they just couldn't find a way to get it done in when it matters. Yes, and they just don't know when to change up their game plan because they're so convinced that this is a Super Bowl winning game plan of, is feed Zeke and have Dak pass it down to Cole Beasley or Amari Cooper, which, okay, it works in, in regular season. It'll, it'll win you the NFC East, but when it, when it comes down to playing the teams like the Rams or even the Saints, for that matter, granted, they beat the Saints in regular season, but the Saints killed the Eagles 48-7, to which, of course, I had to hear all that on Sunday. Uh, but then that game was even close, and the Eagles were, were a drive away from the Saints, which we'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes yeah, here. And- and that, that game, just real quickly, I thought it was crazy, the defensive performance by the Saints after giving up those two touchdowns Yeah. without Sheldon Rankins. Oh, yeah. And they, they definitely stepped up. Um, I, I guess we, we can kind of move on, move on to this game now. But uh, because we have, we have a whole offseason to talk about Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott. But, yeah, so the Eagles and the Saints. Um, Eagles came out red hot in this game, and – the moment I saw that that fourteen zero up on the scoreboard, I'm thinking, man, plus eight is a really good bet. Ooh, boy! But you it, know. <laughs> it it went downhill from there very quickly. You know, I I got pretty excited. I was uh, I was like uh, at that interception. Uh, the Saints instantly came out with the cocky attitude. With oh, it's all over, it's all over the media. We beat this team forty-eight to seven last time we played them. So I'm just gonna take a shot down the field to uh, Ted Ginn Jr., who came back from injury. Um, Cravon LeBlanc, uh, I'm I'm sorry, who? Cravon LeBlanc. I'm gonna say that name <laughs> a couple more times because you're gonna have to remember it. This guy stepped up this game. Incredibly proud of this kid. Uh, this guy was signed off, was signed off the streets, in in the middle of the season. And his first game was versus the Saints in that forty-eight to seven loss. Instant redemption, intercepted, uh, puts on the ski mask on the sideline, and then that sets up a great drive by the, by the Eagles. Big bomb by Nick Foles, the other number nine, to Jordan Matthews, the other uh, regular season signing for a bomb touchdown. Um, I got pretty excited right there. but um, And like you said, after one more slam dunk touchdown by Nick Foles, all downhill from there. Um, I think it was... It was also the Saints' defense, but the Saints' offense on that 12-minute, 92-yard drive done by Drew Brees and Michael Thomas just like right what, when, you, when you control the ball like that and and just kind of impose your will on the other team, especially a team who had guys um, going in and out on that defensive line. Yeah, uh, Fletcher Cox having to take some plays off. Michael Bennett as well, and. Uh, they just they just couldn't I mean that's that's the one position on their entire team they couldn't afford to have any inconsistency or any injury. Exactly. And uh unfortunately for them that they they had some problems there and uh I think it I think it showed throughout the rest of the game. I mean, a lot of guys playing injured in that um 
I mean, uh, Alshon Jeffrey playing with cracked ribs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think he. It just now came out that he had broken ribs. Uh, I, I think I think it's probably after the Saints game where it came out. But uh, yeah, broken ribs. But speaking of that drive still, because um, we we gotta talk about the ending in Alshon Jeffrey, the absolute heartbreaker. But uh, on that long drive, the Saints converted four of five of their third downs with ten yards to go. And that was just like when they would have a good play, a good pass play, holding, it would it would come back. They had a, a good play from Kaysen Hill to Alvin Kamara, holding, came back, pass pass again to Michael Thomas for another 12 yards, and it's just over and over and over again where they kept doing it for 12 straight minutes, took up the entire third quarter, and then Eagles just three and out, three and out, interception, three and out, three and out. And that's and it just wasn't the way to get it done. Uh, I think it kind of showed what Nick Foles really is. Is he he can have a hot hand like Ryan Fitzpatrick, but um, what sometimes he'll he'll have a, a pretty bad game. And uh, he even had a, a couple of those this year, like versus Tampa Bay, uh, week two. But it, it's just what it all comes down to. But the fact that the Eagles still had a chance at the end of this game after a Will Lutz missed field goal. I was I, I was freaking out. I was like, okay, there's we we don't deserve to win this game. Like, if we win this game, I'm literally gonna like poop my freaking pants, man. Like, I was gonna say the other word, but I realized we gotta keep a PG on here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it as soon as Will Lutz went wide right, I was like, okay, you know what? The Eagles have a chance to do this. We were driving and driving and driving and driving, and I thought they were gonna take a two minute warning. Nick Foles throws a pass to Alshon Jeffrey, who drops his fourth drop of this entire season at the worst time, threw his hands into the hands of Marshawn Lattimore. Eagle season is over. And before that play, it really looked like they were going to go down the field and there was going to be some more St. Nick heroics. They had 35 yards to go when that play happened. They were at the 35-yard line. Think about that. The Eagles were about 10 plays away from going to the NFC Championship again. And that's, that what, and that's been... what breaks my heart, audience, as most of my friends would know. I'm a beloved Eagles fan. Um, <laughs> been following it since I, was, since I was a wee child. But, yes, my heart is broken. Uh, but the Saints do, do deserve to be in, in, the, in the NFC Championship, I will say. All right. Um, well, let us move into the <laughs> – the final game. I'm sorry for taking um, over that pit. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all right. Um, just want to quickly talk about this game. There wasn't really a whole lot to talk about other, other than uh, just pure domination on the part of the Patriots um, who just whipped the Chargers in this game, scoring on their first four possessions of the game um, en route to a 35-7 uh, halftime lead. Uh, they really, really <laughs> got it done on the ground sony michelle 24 carries uh 129 mm. yards and then you had mm. um james white n- running back no rushing attempts 15 receptions for 97 yards and that just shows mm. the versatility of this offense because they're going to do it a different way every single game but i think this year one of the consistence has been running the ball with sony michelle and uh He's he's proven that he can he can get it done for them and it's 
continuing their success is continuing here into the playoffs. Oh yeah, uh, um, definitely. And <laughs> I want to talk about that that Patriots hype video that came out last week. Um, where it was like everyone thinks that we suck, and it's like I, I'll definitely say they uh, proved us all wrong with this game. Uh, with the first half, they kind of proved us all wrong. I mean, I don't really think anyone was really doubting the Patriots. I feel like everyone deep down is like, it's the Patriots, it's the playoffs. They're gonna, they're gonna pull something out of their, you know what, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, they they pulled a lot out though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wasn't expecting it to be a blowout by any means. I had the the Chargers as my as my dark horse Super Bowl team. I'm sorry, Will. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> um, I I just thought that. A clearly better roster on both sides of the ball would be able to make this at least a game, but I, it really shows the 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 coaching prowess of uh, Bill Belichick and the and the football throwing prowess of Tom Brady, um, who had uh, he was thirty four for forty four on the day, three hundred forty three yards and a touchdown, uh, quarterback rate of one hundred and six point five, and they just they just got it done, and I think that's. That's really all you can all you can say about this game is that they just went in there, and well they they didn't go anywhere they were at home excuse me <laughs> they they just went into the game and got it done. Now could you say the weather affected the sunny L.A. Chargers? I I don't I definitely think the weather had an effect, but I think they're they were affected more by the back to back. Uh, East Coast road trips. That's true. And they, they had been a historically good team on the road this year, um, but they they just they just couldn't do with this go going to play in Baltimore, then going back to L.A. practicing, and then going all the way out to New England. Like I would just there, stay there in Florida. A, there isn't a further trip that they could have made. In the entire NFL, that's literally the longest distance they could have possibly traveled all the way up there to uh, Foxborough. Mm. But and it, and it and it showed. Oh yeah, and uh, you you could definitely tell. I mean, that's definitely a great point. Um, but I think another thing in this loss is where did Melvin Gordon go? <laughs> uh, Philip Rivers threw over fifty-one times. Completed only 25 of those uh, attempts, 331 yards. Uh, granted, those those yards probably came through garbage time when they were down, and they, yeah, they, they were they down scored, by 30, and we all knew they, they, they were going to lose. Late 21 points. Yeah. So I don't really count those those three touchdowns, but he had one interception. Um, but I'm just wondering, Melvin Gordon, what what on earth? Not nine rush attempts and only 15 yards. You're only going to give this stud. They, they the only ball had nine times? Ten rush attempts on the day, uh, one by Justin Jackson. Even Justin Jackson was good. He can get the job done. For, it, it, less than 20 yards on the ground. But I think when, when the other team comes out and scores on their, their first four drives, you have to start putting the ball in the air, and uh, that's exactly what the Patriots wanted to do. They wanted to get the ball out of Melvin Gordon's hands and out of uh, Austin Eckler's hands, out of that, that trio in the backfield. And, and just force them to have to chuck the ball 51 times. And, uh, but you have a whole... Showed, they were in Phillip Rivers' face the whole day. Um, it's, he only got sacked twice, but they were 
all over him, and he was he was mouthing off about it. You know, he's an infamous trash chalker. Of course. But also doesn't curse because he's a family man. <laughs> and what a family at that. I love kids. Phil. I love Phil. He's a he's a, he's a great man, but um, class act. But you can't make the you can't make the guy throw fifty one times, and and not expect to and, and expect to beat the Patriots. I mean, I mean, granted, you can you can do this with a guy like Nick Foles somehow and somehow win the game. I don't don't ask me how he does it. Or he's, you can do it with a guy like Tom Brady. Yeah, but it so I just don't understand. But even Tom Brady has to hand he okay. So he, Tom Brady throws forty four times, right? He gives the ball to Sony Michelle 24 times. Rex Burkhead another four times, and it, it's it, it's the system where you have to keep it balanced of passing and running. I'm I'm kind of old school and I think that way, but it works. And the Patriots prove it with this game of right. running up the score, freaking 41 to 28. It, it's it, it's simple offense and it's all it takes. And the Chargers didn't get that. I I can see. It's also <laughs> easier for them to run the ball since they have the lead. Um, and, it, and it lends itself to controlling the clock in the way they did, um, completely handling the charges in that department. But really, when you look at it, like, remember their, uh, I forget what week it was, but you remember the, the Chargers-Steelers game? Yeah. Um, they were down in that game 16 points at halftime. And you know what they did when they came out in the second half? Mm. They ran the ball without Melvin Gordon. It was Austin Eckler... And Justin Jackson, who just looked like he was shot out of a cannon on every single handoff, mm-hmm. just grinding out that game back to a lead, and they, they, they couldn't do that here. Um, huh. Patriots just completely had their way with the Chargers, and uh, I think that there's all all there is to it. Um, yeah. So uh, now we have AFC Championship with the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs. NFC Championship will feature Los Angeles Rams. And the New Orleans Saints. And then on the other side of the league, we've got the uh, Chiefs taking on the Pats. But before we get into those games, I want to quickly talk about the uh, the NFL coaching hires um, that have that have happened this week, and, uh, and some it. of the ones that we haven't been able to talk to you guys about. Um, my favorite of which, I mean, obviously I'm a Bucks fan, but I think, in my opinion, the best hire of this whole um, coaching cycle was B.A., Bruce Arians, coming back into coaching and going to Tampa. Oh, yes. And he... especially with that, that staff that he's developing there. He's got got his old friend that he worked with in uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Todd Bowles, his defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. a, uh, a source of strife for that Tampa Bay team this past season. Who That was kind of their – their shortcoming, I mean, being one of the top passing offenses in the league, but they just couldn't get it done on the defensive side of the ball. Now they've got a really, really good defensive coordinator in Todd Bowles and uh, offensive coordinator in Byron Leftwich. Um, I really like where that staff is going, and uh, they're going to stick with Jameis. Yeah, I, they, they're sticking with him. Um, and, you know, after doing a lot of research on BA, I actually actually really liked this coaching hire. I was kind of like, yeah, because I kind of had had an impression from his late years at Arizona when they were kind of starting to go downhill a little bit. And I was, and but I, I feel like with this roster, uh, you know, excuse me, this, this roster that uh, Tampa Bay has, um, I feel like Bruce Arians can probably make this work, especially with this new uh, DC that he's bringing in 
which the Buccaneers, we all know, they need a lot of help back there. Um, <laughs> and I think that Todd Bolts is, is a great hire for that job. Um, while Bruce Arians can take James Winston under his wing, and I think that this is pretty much James's last chance. Uh, if And if he doesn't work with Bruce Arians, I, I don't know, man. It's also, uh, I, I think it's also GM Jason Leish's bat, uh, last last ride, too. Um, really, they've gotten rid of uh, Dirk Cutter, who's actually going to Cleveland to be the OC for Baker. I actually really like that um, for for Baker and for Dirk Cutter. But I, I just don't like Dirk Cutter as the, uh, the, the front man of that coaching group um, that he was in Tampa. I mean, he got that job because... He was good with Jameis, and I, I just don't think he had the, the wherewithal to manage the entire team. And some guys are just good coordinators, and they're not good head coaches. And uh, mm. we see we saw that with Todd Bowles, but he's a fantastic D coordinator, and uh, no doubt we'll get another head coaching job in this league, uh, especially if he turns his Tampa defense around. But I, I really like that. Um, moving on to... Uh, a more controversial hire in Cleveland. Yes. With, uh, Freddie Kitchens, um, hmm. who now has uh, Dirk Cutter as his offensive coordinator. Now, um, now uh, we we spoke about Cleveland last week, or two weeks ago. No, I think it was last week. And I was like, the Browns need to hire Greg Williams to be their head coach. And instead, they let him walk, and now he's going over to big old New York City with Adam Gase. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of with you. This is kind of controversial. I don't know if, if I like this move. I, I didn't even know who Freddie Kitchens was, honestly. Freddie uh, Kitchens has really got, had lack of experience. And um, his the, the main thing was that they didn't want a coach that, would, that wanted to have like a large opinion or a large say in how they run the team. Um, they wanted Jason John, Garrett. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, John Dorsey is running the show over there, and they they wanted to have he wanted to have total control over the team. And Freddie Kitchens was a guy that wasn't gonna wasn't gonna get in the way of that. And uh, and uh, ba- I heard Baker also really liked Freddie. They 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 seem to have a good connection. Mm. Um, I don't know how that all that's gonna work out. They definitely could have done done better, especially since BA, who's now in Tampa, said that he was only considering coming out of retirement for the Cleveland job. Yes, and because uh, like it's it's one of the best available rosters for a coach to go to, but honestly, that's that whole situation there with the the perennial losing seasons and the. Uh, shaky management and ownership and just kind of they just chew coaches up and spit them out and same with quarterbacks but they've they've found a guy who can who will hopefully be able to stick around and weather the storm there um but uh freddie kitchens uh, another thing about him um is the players like him because he's open to taking ideas from from the players and i'm like okay that's that's cool, but you, you need to know that there's a line between the coach and the player. Now, sure, you can take some some ideas and, and try and make it work, but I feel like 
players are, are would, would like to try something a little bit too like wacky. Like I, I, I would. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm having a hard there, way there trying to, find, to be, describe it. There has it. to be a defined line between, um, like as a coach, you have to be the clear in control alpha of that team. Yeah. And if if you're buddy buddy with all the players, I mean, you're you're. It's cool. You can be a players coach. Yeah. Mike Tomlin, the the Ryan brothers, Rex Ryan, and yeah, that's fine. But you got to keep control of of what is your team, which is your job. You're the head coach. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make the play designs and whatnot, which he's good at his job. And I, I guess last year it worked when he was the OC for Cleveland. But I'm saying eh, you might want to pump, pump the brakes a little bit because this is your team now. This isn't Baker Mayfield's team. This is, he, He's the coach. This was Hugh Jackson's team last year. Granted, it didn't work out, but I think he needs to understand that. It's, it's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and definitely think they could have that uh, Greg Williams would have been a better better hire for them guy with uh, tons of experience, but they just that I guess that just wasn't wasn't in the books for them, and uh, he ends up going to New York with Adam Gates. Dude, did you see his bug eyes in the interview? Oh my god, dude, he was he was on LSD in, in, during the whole press conference. He. He answered a question and he was he literally looked like he saw like a, like a little fly like going around he's like oh. no that's oh. that's just him realizing that he's the head coach of the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, like wait what did I just accept what? <laughs> it's like uh, I remember McDaniel's um in a oh in a Indy he's like wait no I'm going back to New England. Oh my god. Or uh, Bill Belichick when he was the head coach of the Jets for like two days <laughs> right i mean this this league is so full of flakes and there's brett Favre who couldn't decide whether to retire or not to retire oh no i'm, I'm like done three seasons yeah and then, then he played on the jets and then he played on for not even did he even play a game for the jets uh brett Favre. i think he played a whole season with them Oh, he played a season with him. Okay, but no, I sure. I remember when when Madden had to had to change their their uh, game cover because he was on the cover of it, and then he got like traded to the Vikings or something like that. Yeah, it, but yeah, he was he was he was on the cover in the Jets uniform, and then like he went right to the Vikings. They were like, oh well, we, we got to change the, the freaking the cover now. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever it was, I can't remember which two teams they had to change. It was really funny though, and I, I think I had the copy where it was like the first, the first version of the jersey. <laughs> Do you still have that? Ah oh, man. If you could find that, that'd probably sell for a good amount. I, it probably would. It's probably deep away in like a storage in like my mom's attic somewhere. Like <laughs> I, I, I have no idea Just honestly. Old Xbox. Uh... 360 game. Nah, PS2, bro. PS2. Yeah, PS2. Man, I, I remember my PS2. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm PlayStation fam. I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't like me some Xbox. I, the, uh, 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 it's a, it's a controller. It feels weird. I don't like the Xbox controller. See, I'm the other way around, but uh, nah, we're, I'm, going, we're going down the rabbit hole now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just making fun. Of, I'm just making fun of Xbox people that hold a PlayStation controller. Like, oh, the sticks are weird. But anyway, so, so, <laughs> so, so that's that's my hot take of the day: PlayStation over Xbox. Yeah. Okay. In general. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> See, that's all you gotta say, right? <laughs> all right, moving on. Let's go. <laughs> 
All right, but um, so let's go to Arizona. Um, I think I've, I've been hearing a lot of this in the news. This People is are more pe- controversial than Cleveland. Yeah, but uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who uh, had a losing record as a college coach, but he also had a beer with Sean McVay, and now he's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> he was also uh, USC's offensive coordinator for two days or two weeks. Two weeks, and now here he is in the NFL. But um, so. Cliff's background isn't too bright, um, including that two-week tenure at USC, if you want to call it that. Um, and also, he went, he was at Texas Tech, but he wasn't the best at Texas Tech. I feel like Arizona only saw this as this guy trained Patrick Mahomes. We have a young quarterback, and we want to train him too. And I feel like they're not too worried about his record part of those stats and I think that's something you probably have to look at especially he was in a good conference with Texas Tech and granted he he coached a a lot of great players whether he was a coordinator or head coach whatever you want to call it it I I feel like this is a pretty risky hire and I think he's going to be the biggest bust out of out of all these coaching so I I feel that that's going to be my prediction um, I feel like the Cardinals are still not going to figure it out because they're going to focus so heavily on Josh Rosen. Unless they get they get him a good offensive line, which they have to do all through the draft or free free agency, uh, I think I think Cliff might be a bust in, in the future. I, th- I think I'll give him three years. I, I tend to agree um, just because you're taking a monumental risk on a, uh, on a young coach who has no previous NFL experience and played – or coach less than a hundred college games, and he, you're already giving him the reins to a uh, billion-dollar franchise. Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, here you go. Yeah. It's I. I don't know. There's there's no way for me to feel comfortable or confident in that in that hire, purely just because of the lack of experience and how the hell is he going to build a staff. He doesn't know anybody in the NFL. What's he going to do, bring in college guys? I was about to say, yeah, just full college, college. Like 80%, maybe 75% of that is recruiting, just getting the best talent in the room. But in the NFL, <laughs> the the separation between good teams and bad teams isn't that much, which is why we see a, tons of different teams in the playoffs every year. Yeah. And – um. So it all it's it's one hundred percent coaching and managing a room full of fifty three thirty year old millionaires, <laughs> and when you're when you're only a few years older than some of those players and don't have the uh, experience to manage personalities like that, I I just don't see how this this works out, especially in the short run. Maybe it. Maybe it works out. Maybe he gets hot and the, the team does does well. But I, 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 I can't see this going going well, especially right out the gate. Yeah, now, now look, I, it's like I understand there wasn't a whole lot of options out there, but to just immediately reach for this guy, like not even a week in, in, into your guys' offseason, it's just like, all right, I found this guy, we're going to interview him, we're bringing him, he's hired. Boom. Like that, right there. Just because he even just kind of knows Sean McVay, and just, he's having so much success over in Los Angeles. And it's, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't have a good feeling about this. You're, you're giving him a really bad team to work with, with, with a young quarterback um, who, like you said, he, he needs to have the, the attitude to be able to handle the egos and, and the personalities like Josh Rosen has. We've seen that when he got drafted immediately. He's like, oh, I, I need to prove why, you know, uh, the, the past eight teams didn't draft me. Granted, I think that was just confidence, not cockiness, but we see cockiness in Josh Rosen already. Um, Larry Fitz, I don't think he's going to come back. He might come back, maybe. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Is he going to retire? I haven't really heard any news from him. Um, so you're going to have to build an entire offense around this kid, and your defense is slowly falling falling apart piece by piece. And, and a kid who's still learning how to be a starting NFL quarterback, by the way. Yes. Well, you also have a head coach who's learning how to be an NFL head coach, and you've got kind of the same situation in Cleveland with the inexperienced behind Freddie Kitchens. And, uh, I mean, you don't really have to worry about the the quarterback in uh, Green Bay, but Matt LaFleur only called plays for one year in a year where the Titans got worse on offense, albeit they were dealing with some Marcus Mariota injuries. Um, And, man, I, I just... I just don't know. I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers signed off on Matt LaFleur, and they they really – they apparently clicked in a phone call that they had. <laughs> but um, I, wow. I, I, just, I just don't know. A lot of these head coaching hires are pretty shaky outside of, in my opinion, Tampa, the Jets, and um, the Broncos with uh, Vic Fangio, the uh, mm-hmm. defensive coordinator for the uh, – Bears, who's by the way has been in the league for like 28 years and never gotten a head coaching job, and for him to get it now after uh, masterminding the uh, Monsters of the Midway Part Two, mm-hmm. um, in that fantastic defense, um, he's the only defensive coach that was hired in all these coaching hires. Yeah, uh, BA offense, Adam Gase offense, Matt Lafleur offense, Cliff Kingsbury. Offense, offense. <laughs> uh, Freddie Kitchens. Offense, I guess. I, 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 he was an OC, so yeah, I guess he was, he's an offensive coach. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think the two coaches that I'm most confident in as of right now, I'm going to say it is Vic Fangio and Adam Gase. I feel like Adam Gase, the firing was a little bit questionable, if you ask me. I mean, it, when you're when you're dealing with Ryan Tannehill, who's been in and out of the lineup for three years, and Jay Cutler for a whole season, yeah, I mean, and, it's uh, and like, Brock Osweiler, yeah, for it's an entire month. It, I, I feel like that firing was a little bit unfair to Adam to Adam Gase. I actually liked him in Miami. He got him to the playoffs for for gosh sakes with Ryan Tannehill. I and think, then, and then they had a playoff. They 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 um, almost uh, won that playoff game with Matt Moore. Yeah, and. It, they had Jay Jardy. They traded him away, and I feel like the Dolphins organization was just falling, just like, like from the base and just falling apart. And I think Adam Gase had nothing to do with that. We're trading away Jay Jardy for for a fourth round pick. Horrible deal. Great deal for the Eagles. Horrible deal for the Dolphins. Um, <laughs> and it, it's like letting letting go of star receivers and uh, signing a very old Frank Gore, who's. He's still got it, but he's, he's ageless wonder. But he, still, but, he's still well on in his years, especially for a running back, as those their their bodies tend to expire before everyone else's. Because the, the all the biggest hits in the league are on running backs because they're a position that's not really protected by the rules. Whereas the quarterbacks are, the receivers are, 
and the running backs just continue to get lit up. Um, yeah, but if you look at his stats, they're not quite what they used to be when he was a young Frank Gore. Right, yeah. and, and, and if you look at the, the Dolphins franchise as a whole, their success has only been marginally better than the Browns, but people don't look at them as a bad team because uh, they managed to get the Patriots once a year, no matter what, for some reason. And they, they just have the, the history with like Dan Marino and all those successful teams. And it's just like the Cleveland's never had that. Like Cleveland lost their team. Their team went to Baltimore, got a new team, and they've stunk ever since. And I mean, going seven, eight, and one this year, they're definitely on the right path. But just just not having that that background has given the Cleveland Browns a much worse stigma. Although they were legendarily bad, only winning one game in two years, but still, you got you got to look at that that Dolphins franchise. Is eh, you're you're I don't know if you know what you're doing down there. Yeah, I, I just. See, I, I don't know. I, I'm a big Adam Gase fan. I'm more like Adam Gaze, if you want to, if you want to call him that. After that press conference, Adam uh, Gaze. Adam Gaze. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh, huh, huh. but what um, was he, what was he looking at? <laughs> I, I really want to know. But um, look, I besides that Gaze, um, I think that he was a good coach. Uh, he was a playoff coach. Obviously, he got into the playoffs. Um, and I, I think you just have a whole lot to fix down there in Miami besides the head coach. And it's it starts with, with the organization and the front office, the GM, the, the owner. They have a nice stadium. I've seen it from the outside. I, I drove by it. But um, I don't know. There's a whole lot to fix, especially with, with your coaches last year doing cocaine. I, I don't know what, what drug he was snorting, but, but uh, they're, they're doing it down there in Miami. Um, and uh, they, they're in the uh... – uh, they can't announce anything official, but they're in talks with Brian Flores' agent, um, the uh, Patriots linebackers coach, um, for for head coaching position. So that that'd be that'd be another defensive head line, coach, but he's, a linebacker coach. Yeah, but he's also thirty seven, so another young coach, and it it just seems like that's that's the way um, <laughs> everything's everything's trending. We're going to a new era of young offensive coaches, but that's what the NFL is destined to be. We've already seen it. And uh, I, I think there's a lot more risk involved with that, obviously, going with such inexperience. Um, like these guys, a lot of these guys, I mean, albeit they wouldn't have the coaching positions they do if they weren't good coaches. Mm-hmm. But you don't, you rarely see guys younger than 40 even in college. Like Willie Taggart at Florida State one of the better young coaches, he's like 42. Yeah. You're going to have to have a little bit of age. It's Coaches are like a whiskey, you know? Or it, a fine wine. They're a fine wine, if you will. If you, if you want to be fancy, you drink wine. If you want to be like me and get drunk all the time, you drink whiskey. <laughs> but uh, a nice <laughs> aged whiskey, all right, it, it tastes better, right? That's, you better, wanna, better with age. You want to have a nice – Aged coach, that experience under his belt. He's got linebacker coaching. He's got wide receiver coaching, coordinator jobs, defensive coordinator jobs. Do you want coming from a big fancy coaching tree, all the way down? Like look, look. So I'll call him like a young, young coach. He's in his forties. Doug, Doug, Doug Peterson. I'm kind of biased with my Eagles fan, fan, yeah, but he, fan base, he's from but the, uh, the the famed luscious Andy Reid 
tree of life. Exactly. And and the second year of coaching turns around a team wins the Super Bowl. It's it's all about just having a, a little bit of age on that and coming from a coaching tree like we just said and having a little bit of experience on your resume, which is what makes you a good coach. So, look, I'm going to say Freddie Kitchens, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him a eh. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I'm going to give him a thumbs down. Adam Gates, I'll give him a thumbs up. B.A., thumbs up. I love that staff that he's building down there. It's, yeah. They're going to be fantastic, and especially with, with Jameis. This I – I know I'm. Uh, you know I'm a Jameis guy. Yes. I'm a Homer, Florida State guy. The uh, that was that was my like. I had been watching football on and off before then, but that 2013 team was the first season of any football team that I'd ever watched. Every single game, and they they took home the uh, the crystal ball in the final year of the uh, BCS and. Um, he he's just been my guy, even though he's made mistakes. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. We all make mistakes, and it's it's all about what you do to right the ship. And if he can do that, I will be really proud of him. Yeah, I mean, look, here I'm, I'm gonna say it on this podcast here. All right, past critic, harsh critic of Jameis Winston here, Jesse Richardson. Um, and next year with this new coach. After the second half of the season of what James Winston showed me, I'm going to say it. <clears throat> I'm going to support James Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year. There we go. Oh, God, that was hard for me to say. All right. Um, so yeah, all, 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 the, all the best to them. Um, and I, I can't wait to see what he does with Bruce Arians, a, a known quarterback whisperer who's, who's – uh, he coached up uh, Carson Palmer in mm-hmm. Arizona. Um, before that, he was offensive coordinator um, on the uh, on the Steelers with defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. Um, I he's known Jameis since Jameis was in middle school and went to one of his camps. Mm-hmm. He, so hopefully, hopefully they can click and they they get they get the ball rolling down there. Yeah, Jameis is a fan of Bruce, and Bruce is a fan of Jameis. Um, and and uh, we are a fan of football games, of which this weekend there are two. Yes. Let's let's get into that. Perfect transition, um, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we've got this weekend coming up with the New England Patriots going to Uh-oh. the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Not of Kansas, of Missouri, because America's weird. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I I tweeted about that. I don't know. I don't know if you saw that tweet. No, I didn't. Oh my gosh! I I well, you you should like it and retweet it. Dang it! Um, <laughs> I was I was like, what grinds my gears is Kansas City is in Missouri. I t- posted the, the the picture of 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 the maps. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so New England, Kansas City, boy, I. I really want to say Kansas City wins this game, but my gut is telling me to, if I was a betting man, to bet the Patriots. I mean, that's that's usually like one of the safer bets alongside like Alabama and and Duke basketball. You you just no matter who's on their team, they're they're a safe bet, and they, both teams have a lot of turnover with like the one and Duns and Duke and um, the New England Patriots just kind of shifting through that roster. They, they really manage the roster differently than any other team in the league just because they don't have a single guy outside of Tom Brady that they pay uh, big money, and they don't even really pay Tom Brady that much money. He's taken pay cuts year after year 
to make that that uh there's their cap situation better and um yeah uh personally i'm gonna i would take the, the chiefs in this game just because they're red hot and they've continued to be so all year even in their bad games they've looked good and patrick mahomes is just the the next thing and um i really like this offense um obviously they lost to the uh New England Patriots earlier this year, um, but I, I definitely think that um, they they can they can pull this one together since they they've got everyone can take a deep breath now that they've gotten that that first that first playoff win in a while um, they can they can sort of relax and just just play their game and. I think they've got they've got too many weapons not to not to make this a good game. Yeah. Um so as you know, I have been on the Patrick Mahomes bandwagon this whole year since he was on my fantasy team. Um and got me so close to the championship and winning, but I lost. That's not the point. So Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team, as you saw last week, completely shut down a red hot Colts offense. They had a great offens- offensive line, not last week. Um, I'm I'm really trying to back this Kansas City team this year. I love Andy Reid. Um, you can call me biased towards my Eagles, but uh, but I think he's a great coach. He's probably one of the greatest coaches that just doesn't have a ring. Um, and I think once once he gets that ring, he's gonna be put up top of that elite head coach list with the Super Bowl. Um, and I think that if anyone else is gonna beat this Patriots team, it's gonna be Andy Reid. Um. I think that they have the possibility to. I think that Arrowhead is a great home field advantage to have. Definitely better than it's loud there. Yes, definitely better than going to Foxborough. Um, also loud there. Yes, but Tom Brady has that ice in his veins, and he can get it done when the pressure is highest. But, uh, I I I like I really like the the Chiefs just because of um, the way their their the front seven of their team has been playing, and they they've kind of found a knack for getting to the quarterback and that's been Tom Brady's bugaboo throughout the the playoffs going up against guys like Von Miller and um that's just like when you can get to Tom Brady and you can protect your quarterback you're you're going to do some some good things and Patrick Mahomes obviously had he's not like a running quarterback but he definitely is a mobile guy and um yeah so I, I really, really, really like like the Chiefs in this game at home. Um, let me see. Do they have a uh, do they have a line out for the? No, they don't have. Um, I was just about to look that up. They don't actually. have uh, betting lines out. I don't think yet. Huh. I thought they would, but uh. No. Nope. Um, so on the other on the other side, since we're uh, running a little short on time, uh, in the NFC, you've got the the Rams and the Saints. Going back to the, uh, going back to the dome, super dome. Home in the dome, <laughs> dome field advantage. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, this will be another great game. Um, definitely looking forward to this matchup. Um, and it's just two high-powered offensives, offenses, two great quarterbacks, two four great running backs now. <laughs> two pretty good defenses. Two. Pretty great defenses and just a whole lot of action. Two great coaches too. <laughs> yeah, Sean, Sean Payton, Payton and uh, Sean McVay. The battle of the Sean the Sean Bowls. 
Sean Bowl. The Sean Bowl. Um, but uh, <laughs> so here we go. Uh, look, I think the the Rams may have a advantage in this one. I think that they actually might come out with the win in this one, even in New Orleans. Um, I think it's going to be an incredibly close game. I think it might even go into overtime. It's going to be that close. Uh, it's definitely not going to be a 14-point game at any point. Uh, I think it's going to be a shootout the entire way. I think defense is, might not even be a factor, honestly. I think it's going to be just completely high scoring. Um, it's going to come down to one stop. Yeah. It's just going to be on who can get that stop or who can get that turnover. And um, I think the, the the Saints are more inclined to do that with their defense and the way they're built. Um, but it could definitely go either way. Yes. Uh, I'm going to take the – it's it's hard not to take the Saints here. If I was betting, I would take the Saints. But personally – the Super Bowl that I want to see. All right, Super Bowl predictions. Here we go, starting I mean, this now. This is not really, I mean, predictions, Chiefs-Saints. The Super Bowl that I want to see. Okay. Chiefs-Rams part two. Okay. I like that. I like that. All right. My Super Bowl prediction, and I'm going to double down, is also what I want. Chiefs are going to go over the Patriots in Kansas City, Missouri. Gosh darn it. (laughs) And we are going to see the Los Angeles Rams also in the Super Bowl. Yes. That is the game that I want to see. That's what the game Both teams are loaded on both sides of the ball. I mean, maybe not so much Kansas City, but they're, they're both fantastic on offense and it would it would really be especially if it's another high scoring exciting game like it was during the regular season mm-hmm. um it's just going to be the epitome of what the nfl is becoming and i think it would it would swing even further in that direction ratings would go sky high for the super bowl yeah one of the best games of the regular season part two super bowl no matter who's in this super bowl it's going to be good yes it, could, no matter what potentially have a uh a Brady Breeze matchup, something that I don't think has happened in the Super Bowl. I would love that on too, honestly. I've... Two two aging guys on the way out. You'd think if whoever, whichever one of them wins it, they they I think they'd um they'd be on their they'd ride off into the sunset. Either it's Brady and Gronk running out hand in hand, or you've got you could have <laughs> the two two young guys. Uh, duking it out, Goff and Mahomes, and that that whole that whole thing, just amazing stuff. You could have Brady against Belichick against uh, McVeigh. Um, <laughs> Man, there's just so many good options. No matter who's in it this year, the ratings are going to be good. The the opportunities are endless. Um, but. With that, folks, we will see what happens on Championship Sunday. Probably the best day in, in all of NFL, if you ask me. Um, maybe, maybe outside of last weekend when you had four great games. Now, now we're now we're just down to two, but it's the four best teams. That's the weekend. I'm talking. This is the day. This is Championship the be, the Day. The best singular day in sports. Yes, besides maybe Super Bowl Sunday, but you know. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the debut episode of the Sack Podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'm Will. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We will see you next Tuesday for another great episode of The Sack. Have a good one, folks. See you.